What a wonderful song. That's Amy Rasmussen. Of course, that's Dr. Mark Rasmussen's oldest daughter. And we're just thankful for her, her love for the Lord, and that wonderful song that she was able to present for us uh, here and uh, in our evening service. Um, and so we're thankful for the Lord's blessings. We continue to pray um, for the needs of our congregation. And, um, and so we're just thankful for God's goodness to us, his blessings. I've got to say that uh, I, I know all of you know that Brother uh, Aaron Brandt went home to be with the Lord. I don't know that there's any uh, homegoing of a, of a brother or sister in Christ that has shocked me and uh, impacted me. My heart is heavy. I can't, you know, just, it hurts. I was sitting uh, here today, it just hurts because um, he was just so young and just such a, a shock. And he's got a lovely family. And so we just need to really pray for Melissa and, and James uh, and Ellie. You know, this is, these are tough, tough, tough days. And just our congregation, you know, he's our brother in Christ. We're family. And people don't understand that, you know, in a church, you know, you become close. You go to, you go to dinner every week together. You know, you come into the house of God and get something from the bread of life, from God's word. And so this is a, this is a great loss for, uh, for Melissa and, and uh, James and Ellie and, of course, his family. I met one of his sisters on yesterday. And, uh, and so just pray. Uh, we'll, we'll let you know the funeral arrangements as we get them. Um, and so um, it's going to be a, a large funeral. Um, so they may have, we may have something, they may have something there in Riverside for him uh, at a bigger, there's a big church there, Harvest, that they have a big tent set up outside that I think that's where the service is going to be. And, uh, and then we may have a private service here for him. Not private, but more for our community and for us. Um, we'll see. We'll let you know. But just pray for them. And we're just thankful for heaven. Until we're all together again, let's just work hard, serve hard, pray hard, love each other, and get the, get the work of God done. And so um, I'm so thankful to have Brother Jeff call here, his love for God, his love for the Lord, and 29 years of camping ministry. I don't know if there's any ministry that helps a local church uh, as a youth pastor any, any more than, a, than camping. And my heart as a, as a youth pastor uh, would go to camp. We would go to the camp down in uh, the Wilds camp. And is that in North Carolina? In North Carolina. And uh, our favorite speaker there was Dr. Tom Farrell. And we'd, we'd go to hear him speak. I always told my teenagers, we don't go to, we go, don't go to camp for the food. We don't go to camp for a comfortable bunk. We don't go to camp because it's fun. We go because of the preaching. And we want to learn and grow. We can have fun. I could have fun in, at the church. I mean, come on. Here, we're, in, we're in California here. There's a lot of fun things to do. We don't need to have fun when we go to camp. We go to learn and grow spiritually. And we got we a lot of fun things to do as, for youth. But I'm just thankful for Brother Jeff Call. And you pray for him as he comes. Thankful for his wife, Carol. Uh, she's a great, great human being. Great love for Jesus. And uh, just uh, funny. She's got a great sense of humor, happy person. And so you would love to uh, 
to be around her. And so, Jeff, you come. Thank you for coming. This is his final message for us this week. We thank you for being here for the staff uh, training and, and then preaching the message for this, the morning service. And now we're, we're uh, preparing for the evening service here. So thank you. God bless you. And uh, we look forward to hearing what God has laid on your heart. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. I sure appreciate uh, being here in the church, one of my favorite places to come. I haven't been here in a little bit of a while, but I've I, uh, been traveling the, the globe. Last year, I went around the world three, uh, three separate times and zigzag, zigzagged until I went all the way around and did that a couple more times. And uh, the world's a big place and, and crossed a lot of interesting uh, nations and uh, land in a lot of places. I, I remember landing in the United Arab Emirates, and, and they have Uber there. They have uh, camel Uber services. And, and uh, they bring you from the parking lot to the door with a camel. And then I, uh, and then I was over in Vietnam. They, they, they have Uber mopeds. <laughs> and so they, you know, there, there's about 8,000 mopeds to one vehicle. And uh, uh, so, you know, we've, been, we've, we've experienced quite a few things around the world the last couple of years, especially. And uh, my last place was over in Africa, and, and, and they wanted us to come in uh, and, and do something in their school and introduce Christian uh, uh, education materials, and, and they gave me a green light to do a lot of that stuff. Once, uh, you know, once I returned, I was hoping to return a little sooner than, than uh, today, but COVID hit the African nations as well, and so they're, they're uh, waiting. Of course, I have an international school. Pray for us. We're opening up our third year uh, this week, and, and uh, you know, there is some uncertainty because we do have international young people, and while we're getting some relief from, from the government to get the visas. We're also having some difficulties. And just pray that we can stay open and pray that God will meet those needs. This is a really important week. We're going to keep plowing ahead. Uh, you, you know, everything looks bleak and, you know, in, in a world sometimes, and when you're in, in the middle of decision-making, you, you can talk yourself into closing. A lot, of, a lot of people quit before God can do, do a miracle. You know, uh, uh, the children of Israel, they were, they were waiting, they were kind of, you know, right there at the edge of the water, and they, they started arguing with Moses that it was better for them just to stay in Egypt. Now they're trapped. Now the army of Pharaoh is mad, and they're going to harm us, and they're now talking to themselves into going back. And, and of course, we know the rest of that story, but, uh, you know, I think you have to just put one, you wake up each day, you put one foot in front of you, you try to solve the problems of that day, that day. And God gave me enough faith for today, and I hope he gives me enough faith for tomorrow. And then we'll take another step of faith the next day, and we'll see God work. And so we're, we've been given, you know, uh, uh, walking that way for a long time. I, I've, uh, I've written about eight, I think it's eight letters of closure for Northland in the last five years, and I've never closed. It looked bleak, and then God answered prayer. It looked bleak, and then God answered prayer. Look bleak, and then God answered prayer. I believe God will answer prayer again. And, you know, we're seeing a number of young people come to know Christ from around the world. Uh, they don't come from places where the gospel is preached. We go into a lot of closed countries, and 
were able to, to, to present Christ, but more importantly, were able to live Christ in front, in front of them as well and model what uh, Christianity is. Not what America is, but what Christianity is. Christianity is what's changed America, makes America special. And so uh, pray for us. I'm certainly thankful for my wife as well, so I wish she was here. She's always enjoyable to travel with. Uh, we have a number of grandchildren. When I came here initially, I didn't have any grandchildren, and now I have a lot of granddaughters and uh, and one grandson, and uh, and our kids are all grown. So I know we we get to go visit them, but care a little bit more. You know, I want to talk today. Uh, you know, I appreciate the message that that I was able to deliver earlier. Uh, you know, and and you know, I always enjoy talking about the things of God with the people of God in the context of the church of God. And, and you know, a lot of times, you know, we're entrusted to, to live our lives with, you know, if we had no instruction, we're supposed to feed ourselves. But thank God that the scriptures is available through the church and the preacher loves uh, the congregants and, and, and vice versa. And I'm thankful for pastor allowing me to open up the Bible a little bit uh, this week. And certainly as, as I approach my last message to you, let me let me give you something that I think can be a help to you. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, um, if I was going to name the message, uh, we've named it Complacent Christianity. Uh, I, like, I like my first, me- my first title for, uh, better, Uzza Wuzza. <laughs> you, know, that, you know, I like that one. It doesn't seem educational, though. <laughs> but, uh, you know, here's a, here's a man that, that uh, you know, on that day, he was... He was gathered, he was one of the 25,000 chosen men of Israel, or 30,000 chosen men of Israel. Uh, David brought, it says right here in verse 1, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. Uzzah was one of those people. So he was one of the folks that qualified. He was, he was a man that's, uh, you know, is, is part of the nation of Israel. He's, he's uh, equipped for service. Um, and he's, he's in this thing, in this passage, for a special task. It says, uh, David arose and went with all the people that were with him uh, to bring up from hence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. This is, this is not a, I mean, 30,000 people, they're coming to move something that's more than just a piece of, you know, living room furniture. Uh, there, there was instructions, vast instructions in Exodus tw- uh, 25 about how this Ark of the Covenant was to be uh, constructed and w- what it was for. It, was, it wasn't just a piece of wood. It wasn't just something, it wasn't some, you know, some antique that you, you, you gawk at. from a, it, This is the living place, the, the place where God dwelt. And they were going to bring up this ark of God, which was which name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims in verse two and verse three. And they and they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab and that uh, that was in Gibeah and Uzzah and Ahio the sons of Abinadab drove the uh, drove the new cart and uh, they 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 took this thing and they were transferring it. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord, verse 5, on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels, timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And so he was afraid. Uzzah was standing closer to it. 
So of those 30,000 men, he was, he was pretty intimately involved in the, in the move, movement of this, this uh, special divine uh, um, arc. And, and, and he saw that it might, it might fall. And he was concerned because he, he, he considered it important. And yet, they were told not to touch it. They were told not to touch it. They, weren't even, they were told not to even look at it. There's a, another passage of Scripture where, you, you know, one translation would have 70,000 people die. Another translation has up to 50,000 people. They just looked at it, and people died. They weren't even supposed to look inside of it. But the, and it said, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. What a, what, a, what an important day this was. They were moving the ark of God. And, and a tragedy struck on this, this early, you know, the early part of the moving process. Um, and they lost someone, Uzzah. You know, Uzzah probably was like any one of us in church. Uh, Uzzah, you know, probably was a respected person. Uzzah probably had a family. Uzzah, uh, you know, he, he, he you know, there, by all accounts, there was nothing wrong with the, with the individual, except on this day, he did something that the Lord didn't want him to do. Don't touch the Ark of the Covenant. Don't put your hand on it. Don't steady it. And Uzzah failed to follow that, that, uh, that command, and Uzzah lost his life. You know, this is, a, this is an insignificant passage. There are things that are important to God. There, there are things that are very important to God, and, and oftentimes in this age of grace, we forget that there's going to be a time of judgment. There's going to be a place, you know, in, in a timeline where men's sins are, are judged, and just just get a good dose of that judgment reading you know revelation there's uh, there, there's a lot of stuff coming in the future maybe even in the close future where where it says in revelation 2 or 3 uh, certainly other passages where the rich the kings the influential the princes will be hiding under the mountains because they're so afraid of all the 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 judgment seals and all the uh, the wrath of God that's happening on, you know, on earth. And so there's certainly some very important things that God told us you know, not to do. Uh, you know, a lot of folks have said, well, you know, if God was kind and loving, he is kind and loving. That's why he sent a Savior. That's why he died for us. He, 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 knew, he knew that we needed a, a Redeemer. And, and that, that's what makes his mercy so fresh every morning encouraging to me as a as a believer and I'm sure to you but I don't want to be complacent I, I don't I don't I want to learn from this I want Uzzah's death to remind me of how important there are things before God I want to make sure that what God entrusted us entrusted us with here in this in the Bible especially in this passage I want to be reminded that that I shouldn't be living a complacent life because while Uzzah died on that day while complacency physically took his life that day, complacency in the lives of Christians today, it, it doesn't necessarily take their physical life, but it'll zap their spiritual life. It'll zap their influence. It'll take away their impact. It, it'll, it'll move them to dullness. It'll, it'll bring them to a life of no effect. 
They, they, they'll, they'll walk through life and they'll have no fruits. They'll have a tree maybe filled with leaves, but there's no fruit in it. They, there's, no one can pick something from their life and eat it and find it sweet and nutritious and beneficial. And the reason is, all we were concerned about is keeping shade. All we were concerned about is, is making sure we didn't have a lot of dead branches. But we weren't really that concerned about fruit. Fruit comes when there's no complacency. Complacency is the poison that prevents us from having the fruit that helps other people. Fruitfulness is the sign of friendly, is a sign of God's blessing, not leaves. You know, we all have leaves, but not all of us have fruit. And complacency is what prevents us from having that. And so we, 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 we become complacent, and I have a couple of thoughts for all of us. We become complacent when, and, I, and let me list a couple of these things for us. We become complacent when we disregard God's commands. You know, Uzzah probably listened to God in so many other areas, and this particular one, out of instinct, he didn't. And Uzzah, and Uzzah died that day. But we disregard God's, when we disregard God's commands, we're becoming complacent in our lives. Certainly this morning we talked about prayerfulness for the lives of young people. One of the reasons we're losing our young people is because we become complacent in prayer. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. Uh, this is, you know, when it says everything, you know, I mean, everything's every day. We become complacent when we're not prayerful and we miss the fruit that God wants to give us in our lives when we're, when we're actively doing those things and eagerly doing those things that God wants us to do. Number two, we disregard God's, God's command to evangelize and witness to others. The Bible says in Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. A lot of us have become complacent to the gospel in our lives. You know, the, the people aren't finding answers in the psychiatric wards. The, the, the people find answers from the word of God. I remember getting my master's of counseling a number of years ago, and one of the responsibilities I had is I had to go to a uh, a, a uh, clinic, and so I went to uh, the ones provided for veterans at the Veterans Hospital, and they let me come in and, and watch all of the things that they do to counsel and to help uh, veterans. And after about 30 days, going there every day and listening to the counseling and, and, and observing their techniques, they had, uh, they had uh, uh, electrotherapy, so they, they had scream therapy, they had tickle therapy, they had puppet therapy, they bring puppets in and talk to you with puppets, they, they, they did all types of therapies. I, I witnessed maybe 15, 16 of them. On the last day, the, the head doctor said, Jeff, did you, did you learn anything? I said, yes, I, I learned a lot. And uh, I said, you missed one therapy, though. He said, what's that? I said, it's the most important therapy of all. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's the one that I see changing thousands of lives all over the world and bringing the greater, greatest amount of peace and victory. He said, what's that? And I pulled up my New Testament in my pocket. I said, it's the Word of God. 
It's the word of God. He said, well, we're not allowed to do that one. <laughs> you know, he, he acknowledged it did help people. But, you know, the Bible tells us that the word of God is the answer. But it's, it's the author of the word of God who's the answer. And then the word of God you know, gives us what he says. And then we follow and we, we adore and we love and we, we, uh, uh, we, we, we train and teach and disciple and mentor all based on what he said called the word of God. And one of those things is to, to bring the gospel to every creature. Uh, you know, we, we sometimes have grown complacent in that. And, and I heard a story recently on the news about, uh, certainly it was in another religion, but there was a man that, that went to an island full of lepers, and, and he wanted to win them to Christ, and so he was there for 11, 12 years, and he ended up dying of leprosy himself. But he, he brought aid and comfort uh, to these people, he was healthy. He brought aid, to aid and comfort to people who weren't healthy, and he himself got sick. But now he's a saint in that church. And, you know, I think sometimes in, in, a, in a climate of, of fear and a climate of, of uncertainty, we forget the very important responsibility to win others to Christ. People are still needing Christ at these uncertain times in our world. And where are they going to get that? They're going to get that from people who love the Lord Jesus Christ and they're not complacent with the salvation message and they get it out to people. So let's not be complacent in the area of evangelism. Number three, we disregard God's command to submit and obey. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 17, 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch over your souls and they must give an account that they may do it with joy, not with grief. Um, you know, we, we want to make sure that we are wholeheartedly submitting to the things of God and honoring God and honoring the, the people in our lives that watch over us. Pray for them. When, when, have, you, when have you prayed and looked to encourage those who watch over your soul? Uh, everyone in this room watches over someone's soul. Some do it at larger amounts, some do it at smaller amounts, but nonetheless, it's all important. And everyone has a responsibility before them to be the kind of authority they ought to be in people's lives that they watch over. But those of us that are under that authority, and all of us have some authority over us, we want to make sure to honor and do it wholeheartedly. We don't want to be complacent in that area. There's so many times, like, you know, and I know all of us could say it. You know, someone comes to you, look for counsel, you tell them what to do. They do something completely opposite, and you want... You want to say when you see them, I, those, those, those words, I told you so. But you can't always say that. You just got to love people again, instruct them again, encourage them again, have patience with people who, who take a little longer time to, to grow and learn. But we also, number four, we disregard God's command to study. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God. There's a lot of difficult questions out there. We need to have answers. You know, I like watching the presidential conventions. And then as I listen to them, I want to come up with Bible answers because they don't give Bible answers when they give solutions, if they give any solutions at all. I want to give Bible answers. And so I, I let the world talk, I listen, and then I try, to, I try to answer all the questions from a Bible perspective. You know, no, no party is going to solve all the problems in this country. God's going to solve all those problems and the scriptures coming to bear on the issues of the day uh, and, and having a commitment to righteousness according to the word of God, that's what's going to solve our, th our, the, our, uh, our community and our cultural issues. But we have to know what God says on the matter and be articulate. We have to study. 
We have to know. A lot of people wake up on any given day and they just shoot off the hip. You know, they, they, haven't really, they really haven't tested their, their words. They haven't really tamed their communication. They, they uh, are just highly you know, emotionally charged and they have, a, they have a pretty loud opinion and they shout it, but, but they can't get much further than that. They, they can't give any detail. They can't give any fine, uh, scriptural support. And, and we Christians, we have the answer. The Bible says that everything in the Bible will give everything a man needs to live a life of godliness and peace and contentment and hope. That's what the Bible says. Its own claim says it can help. And we see throughout the scriptures how nations, when the leaders repented, brought great blessing to their nation. The nation would be a powerful nation. It would dom- have a dominance over the other nations. And yet, when the Bible became clear, the God, the, you know, Jehovah God became uh, worship, that nation can change and see great fruitfulness. And so we know that the Bible and the humility of God's people and the salvation of lost people can, can make a difference on a nation. But we have to know what the Bible says. We can't just shout our opinion and hide in the house. We've got to be articulate. We've got to study. And many of us have become complacent in this particular area. We, we become complacent when we disregard God's command to attend church and and the assembly. I know it's difficult at this time, but you got to find ways. You got to find ways to congregate. You got to find ways to meet other believers. You know, the Bible still says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. And the church, after all this, these months of shutdown, are learning different ways and techniques and, and opportunities because they know that when believers don't meet together, they weaken. They weaken their bond. And so this is a great time not to become complacent with these matters. We disregard God's command to give. That we, we become complacent when we, when we don't give what we should give and give consistently. We disregard and we become complacent when we disregard God's command to love. Ma- Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the, thy God, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself. Uh, we've grown cold. You know, listen, we don't, need a, we don't need COVID-19 to grow cold. We just grow cold naturally as human beings when we don't, when we don't reach out to other people. Love and loving people is a risk. Many of us hesitate to take that risk because we don't want to be hurt or rejected But love is a risk. But love, done biblically, done consistently, means you're you're loving the Lord as you ought to, regardless of the outcome. But we know that love will make a difference. We know that it will. We don't want to grow complacent. Complacency is hard to see and take. As an employer, when you see a complacent staff person, it, it hurts. When you see a business that's struggling and the leadership are not taking the responsibilities seriously, it hurts. You can see it. A complacent culture, you can see it. I remember my, my son was playing a, a game years ago with basketball, and they, 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 they weren't doing too well, quite frankly. And Pastor, I know you've seen a lot of games. Would you ever see a game where the, other, the team that's losing just becomes complacent? They don't care anymore. It's hard to take. I'd rather see someone who's losing but they're fighting, and they're not giving up. 
And, 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 and I ended up leaving early. Uh, I remember my son came home and said, Dad, you left early. I said, I couldn't watch it anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I mean, I'd rather have you be hot or cold, but I didn't want you to be lukewarm because I, I was just physically not able to watch it anymore, so I decided to go home. I can't do it. I didn't want to watch complacency. But yet we tolerate complacency in our lives in so many areas. And, and what I want to challenge us about is, is to guard against those complacencies. And so, number one, we have to realize the dangers of complacency. It's hard to maintain a level of excitement about everything all the time. I understand that, but that's what we need. We need to be wholehearted in all that we do. We need to realize the blessings of a diligent person, a dil- the diligent life. Uh, the, the Bible says, the hand of the diligent maketh rich. That means there's lots of fruit in the life of a person who has a diligence in their life. Someone who doesn't you know, take a day off, someone who who is alert to the things around them. They're, 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 they're always praying. They're always moving forward. They're, they're making sure there's no rust in their lives. There, there's, there's a lot of blessings and rewards for the person who's diligent. And then we treat the word of God, number three, with, with passion and respect, uh, you know, in, in the way that it deserves. Uh, you know, I remember years ago, you, you bring your Bible home and you put it on the counter and, you know, what's the rule? No one puts anything on the Bible, right? You don't, hey, listen, the Bible puts, you put it there on your, on your desk. Don't put it, don't put my coffee on it. No one, nothing goes on that Bible. And then a few years later, you realize, you know, your, your, your shirt, your shirt's on the Bible, the iron's on the Bible, everything's on the Bible. Because you grew complacent to the respect for the Bible. Those things just seemingly naturally come in. And you have to purposely live your life in such a way that you, make things the priority and keep them there. Those people that focus on those things that are important tend to see the greatest results. You know, things improve when you put some attention on it. It always does. You know, we, uh, uh, we, don't, we don't get what we expect. We get what we inspect. And that's what prevents complacency from coming in our lives. We're constantly inspecting everything that we're responsible, responsible to do in our lives. And when we inspect those, we have a greater chance of not becoming complacent. Let me leave you with, with a thought in relationship to complacency. I, I, I was thinking about uh, starting something a number of years ago at our campus. Uh, I was reading a devotional, uh, you know, from, uh, I can't remember the, the author at this particular point, but it was, it was called The Season of Reverence. And it had a, it had a particular uh, entry called The Lonely Trail of the Gimper. And, and, and this, this devotional was such a powerful reminder to me. I adopted it as my, my one-page life uh, walk commitment, to be the type of person that would be described as a gimper. In fact, I was, so, I was so excited about it, I started a club in college called the Gimper Club. But I only signed up three people. I charged them a dollar. And then I was going to give them encouragement every day, and it just cost a dollar. I figured I'd get a million people in there. I'd make a million dollars, and, and I could be an encouragement. But only three people signed up. So not everyone was committed to the same thing I was, but I realized this wasn't a program. This is the way you live. You know, and, and I'll read some excerpts on it and make a couple comments along the way. I wrote a number of things down on the page, but it said, Gimpers are seldom seen on our landscapes. Occasional sightings, however, have reportedly occurred on some college campuses, some business offices, on you know, a couple of Christian camps, and, and maybe even a few churches. 
Gimpers form the backbone of whatever they're part of. Uh, one of the reasons they're so hard to spot is that they never run in packs. In fact, gimpers are loners. Gimp gimpers are seldom seen. So you might ask, what's a gimper? Well, you can't go to the dictionary, but I can give you some illustrations. You know, we could, we could talk about athletes who are gimpers. They excel above all others. We could talk about Vince Lombardi, perhaps one of the greatest coaches of all time, the coach of the Green Bay Packers. He was a gimper coach. You could talk about the gimper, a gimper mother, Susanna Wesley. You can talk about a gimper preacher, Charles Spurgeon. You can talk about a gimper president, Abraham Lincoln. You can talk about a gimper inventor, Thomas Edison. You can talk about gimper missionaries like Jim Elliott, Nate Saint. There's a few of them around. When you watch the Olympics, it was supposed to be this year, but they moved it to next. You'll see some gimper athletes there. Some people who, who really go to the next level. You know, David was a gimper son, but he was overlooked. He was the small guy. No one really thought he was going to do anything special. Well, you go to the Webster Dictionary, and you can find the word gimp. Uh, means spirit and vim and vigor and ambition. It could also mean zip and zeal and zest, uh, the kind of go-get-em attitude that you would want in someone. But you don't see a word called gimper in the dictionary. But this particular devotional was written by a man that was a gimper himself as a theologian. A gimper is one who aspires to excel, to be different, never complacent. A, gimp, a gimper is committed to the core, thoroughly and unmistakably. No one questions it. The roots, his roots or her roots of dedication result in the rich fruit of determination and excellence and, and, and the, the willingness to see results. They set their sights high. Gimpers drive towards the goal, absorbed in the passion of quality, accomplished almost at any cost. Certainly great sacrifice that you can see. See, a gimper wants to succeed. A gimper wants to wake up every day and do right. A gimper wants their life to count and to matter. In 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9, we have the life of an of a Old Testament gimper, Jabez. He would pray, God, enlarge my coast. He didn't want to be status quo. He didn't want to be in Dolesville, Israel. He pleaded with the Lord to bless him, to enlarge the borders of his perspective. And God did just that. God launched this man, a visionary missile called Jabez. And so did the Lord Jesus make reference to Gimpers when he was living? Absolutely. People would ask, go a mile. Jesus said, be a Gimper, go two. Others love their friends and hate their enemies. Gimpers love their enemies, pray for their persecutors, and they really love their friends. In Matthew 5, if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Listen, anyone can be friendly, but a gimper is a lot more than just friendly. A gimper is a person that stands with you closer than a brother. Oh, Jesus said a lot about gimpers. He just didn't call it that. They were just dedicated Christians. When someone saw someone that was with Jesus and they, they were adopting his same uh, core values and the same life strategy and the, the same 
divine, in the spirit living. They said that, I perceive that that person was with Jesus. Because that's, that's what Jesus would do for people. And so, you'll know if you're a gimper. Let me just ask you a question. What do you do more than others? Or is friendliness all that you settle for? You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, we're to be gimper givers. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, we're to have a gimper walk. In 1 Thessalonians 4.10, we're supposed to have a gimper love for others. See, the average Christian rejoices. A gimper Christian rejoices always. An average Christian might pray, but a gimper Christian prays always. It's common to give thanks. Gimpers give thanks in everything. The basic believer wants to refrain from evil. Gimpers refrain from every form of evil. At the age of 25, Amaziah was crowned the king over Jerusalem. At age 54, he died. It says, for 29 years, he did that which right in the sight of the Lord. And that is unique. I'm thankful for people who do things right. There's a, there's a church filled with people that do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Yet, just like Amaziah, it doesn't stop there. Because doing the right thing is not the only thing God's interested in. Doing, doing the right thing for 25 years or 29 years in a row is not all that God's interested in. God's interested in the next phrase too. It said, Amaziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord for 29 years, yet not with a perfect heart. And that's where complacency crept in. See, a lot of times we forget who we serve. We forget the enthusiasm that gratitude brings, us, brings in our lives. The happiest, most positive people are thankful people. These people aren't complacent. They know that they could not do what they enjoy having in their presence now. All the things that they were been, they couldn't do it all themselves. They needed God. You know, I remember a man telling me, I wrote an article, my first article for a ministry publication, and he, I was asked to do it. He said, uh, uh, I sent my article in. He called me. He said, Jeff, come on over. I want to talk to you a little bit. He said, this is a wonderful article. You outline clearly and succinctly all the things that, that, the, that the ministry is doing, all the accomplishments. And he said, but I was reading something. Could you read this again and, and then tell me what's missing? I'm reading it. Nope, I listed all the successes. Pastor, I listed all the successes in my article. I got them all. He said, yeah, but you're missing one thing. And I'm, I, re, I read it. I said, I, I don't know what I'm missing. He said, you don't thank the Lord at all in your whole thing of all the victories. You just, you just say what you accomplished, and like God, did, God was an afterthought. He said, Jeff, never write an article without thanking God. You've got to keep God at the center of the purpose. And, and God, if you experience a good thing, God is a rewarder of all them that diligently seek him. Everything that you get is a blessing. It came from God. Everything. And he said, just remember, every perfect gift is from the Father above. And that was, I needed that. I needed that from that elderly statesman who reminded me that being a, being a Christian that just does things right is not as important as doing things right with a whole heart. And I, and, and I was reminded of that. You listen, I, I think every person ought to struggle in this area 
of being a gimper. You know, just being that wholehearted Christian wakes up and you're just a shining, bright ray of hope for everyone that touches, that sees you and interacts with you on a given day. Because the curse of Christianity today is complacent Christianity. We just don't take our faith as seriously as we, as we ought. And because of that, we merely look like the social clubs of, of our community. We're just like anyone else. Any, any club that's out there where other adults meet, and they help other people. You know, and they're good and they're useful, but they're not the church. The church is the living pillar and the ground of the truth. And we serve as ambassadors the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. And that's why we should never grow complacent. Let's not be complacent. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not mad at us, because I've probably been complacent like that, and I probably would have done the same thing. But I'm thankful that we're reminded through this, this story that complacency, there's no place in the Christian life for complacency. We ought to be wholehearted, living for the Lord in all these areas. God bless you. I hope you live a life to the fullest and you have much fruit. Thank you so much for the call for that challenging message. And I'm telling you, we just want to enlarge our coast and we want to do more for the glory of God. And I think, as Brother Call said, one of the keys for tomorrow is being thankful for today. God has blessed us individually. God has blessed our church. God has blessed our school. Um, God has blessed in, in so many ways our ministries uh, to the missionaries. And so um, let's thank him. And we, we've, we've cast a vision for what we want to do this year when it comes to all the ministries of this church. And we've had to look at things. We've had to be creative. And, uh, and we'll continue to do so. But by God's grace, um, you pray for one another, lift each other up, and uh, don't, don't let the sin of complacency enter into your heart and your mind, especially at, at this time when we're, we're out of the routine and we don't have the same routine anymore. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Sunday school. We don't want to become complacent, and we look forward to getting back into our regular uh, regular uh, schedules and serving our great God uh, faithfully and we thank Brother Call for coming and ministering among us this week you pray for him as he flies back to uh, uh, North Carolina tomorrow pray for his family and pray for Northland Baptist College or the school there at Northland in the camp that God would just continue to meet the needs there and again I want to thank you for your faithfulness and and giving to the Lord your tithes, your offerings, you can give online, you can mail the check into the church, and we just thank you for um, all your help. And if you if you're listening and you have some needs, uh, you can uh, text there or email us and uh, contact us. We'll be glad to pay a visit to you, give you a phone call, and we want to be a, we want to be a blessing to you. So thank you so much. God bless you. Have a great week. Be praying for all the events this week. And we'll be back online Wednesday night at 7 o'clock and then back in church next Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1030. God bless you, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon.